Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for one in a series of podcasts that document three days of workshops on the study of the Enneagram, with panels exploring the different personality types, led by Beatrice Chestnut and hosted by Michael Lerner. This episode is an introduction given at the start of day two, covering types two, three, and four, with Beatrice Chestnut and Michael Lerner. Beatrice Chestnut, welcome back to the new school. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. So let's just start by asking you to introduce what we're going to do today, and then we'll follow up with some other thoughts. Sounds perfect. So um, today is the second day in our series of Enneagram panels. Uh, We're doing three panels a day on three weekend days in January and February. We did the body types, types eight, nine, and one, uh, on January 12th. And today we're doing the three heart types, types two, three, and four. And the first first day that we did together, that was the first time I ever experienced panels. Mm -hmm. And... um, I know for me and for many others who were here, it was a really profound, uh, it was a profound experience. Um, Like many others here, I have been studying Enneagram probably in my case for, I guess, three or four years. Um, But it's one thing to study it and, and understand one's own type and understand others. And I really immersed myself. But as I said to you uh, on the first uh, the first day, I'm still a beginner. There are so many people who have done this for decades. Um, so it was it was profound. And um, and as I thought about today, I thought to myself, one of the things I like most about your book, the Complete Enneagram, um, is that you. Uh, bring in um, the very uh, long historic resonances of Enneagram, uh, going back to uh, Dante's Inferno and how close uh, uh, the circles of hell and Dante's Inferno are to Enneagram types. But even more, and this is what struck me so deeply in your book that um, the Enneagram types follow the lands Odysseus visited on his way home from Troy in the same order as the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And from other sources, I discovered that the Enneagram tracked also perfectly with the Kabbalistic tree of life. So, and it tracks closely uh, with um, the uh, diagnostic psychiatric manual types. Right. Not perfectly. It leaves out three. Yes. Because uh, America is a three culture. And right. So the three is not considered pathological That's in right. American culture. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, yes, yes. It's considered normal. Uh, it's considered normal. <laughs> to be a workaholic. <laughs> right, exactly. So what really struck me here in a very deep, deep way is that these constellations of character type have been known from the earliest periods of uh, uh, the Jewish uh, tradition, the earliest periods of the uh, uh, Christian and Islamic traditions, 
and the earliest uh, history of the Greek tradition, mm -hmm. which means that in, the, in Athens and, and uh, Jerusalem, in the Greco-Judaic Christian uh, Islamic world, these uh, crystallized constellations have been known for thousands of years. Yeah. So, so and, and they continue to be known in the Diagnostic Psychiatric mm -hmm. Manual in some form today. Mm -hmm. So what we are dealing with here is not something that somebody just cooked up or made up recently. <laughs> right. It's right. profound. Yeah. It's profound. Yeah. And so, but then, so that is true. But then, this is also, Enneagram is also an archetypal psychology by any standard. And... Archetypal psychologies vary, and among the archetypal psychologies for me, uh, I include astrology, mm -hmm. I include the tarot, I include the I Ching. Me too. Now, yeah. those, those mm -hmm. uh, types also often have ancient resonances. Mm -hmm. Tarot certainly does, I Ching certainly mm -hmm. does, astrology certainly does, mm -hmm. but they aren't... But let's just take astrology. Uh, well, Tarot and I Ching, in some sense, are chance or, or synchronicity when you throw them. Uh, astrology is based on your birth date. Mm -hmm. And unless it turns out to be true that birth date is actually predictive of astrological type, which that argument has been made, but that's certainly a controversial argument, those three other archetypal psychologies have the same sense of constellating deep truth mm -hmm. that Enneagram and the associated ancient systems that flow into it do. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, we have something that flows into something that you look at the Enneagram and you recognize your type. And on the other hand, you have these systems that are either synchronistic or based on your birth date. But in both cases, they constellate an experience of deep truth. Mm. So what goes on for me that I've been trying to understand is to what degree is the truth of Enneagram largely based on that you recognize your type in this ancient sense? And to what degree is it like astrology or I Ching or Tarot, the experience that when ancient truth is spoken, it constellates that within you, which responds to this experience? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm asking here? I believe so, yeah, yes. Yeah, because in one case, it's kind of given uh, uh, that this actually is a personality type that is actually yours that you've recognized. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, let's just take astrology as the simplest of these. In that case, it's based on your birth date, so you're not asked to recognize it. You're told this is you. Mm -hmm. And you, you look at it and you say, oh my God, that really is me. Right. Yeah. So how is it possible that something based on something apparently uh, arbitrary, like your birthright, or like the Tarot or the I Ching, which is just synchronistic at best, uh, how is it possible that that constellates the same power of recognition mm -hmm. as something that is uh, 
in the case of the Diagnostic Psychiatric Manual, quote, empirically based, and in the case of the traditions that flow into Enneagram based on these ancient personality constellations. And I still haven't quite figured that out. Mm. And I'm curious how you... Yeah, Those are big questions. No, but I'm curious whether you think about that and have you, ever, have you ever wondered about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think what you're talking about when you say these big truths, mm -hmm. I think it depends on what viewpoint you take. Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes the most sense when you take a, a very spiritual viewpoint. Mm -hmm. um, almost like things were meant to happen. You were born into the life you were meant to live in order to face certain challenges and through overcoming them, get closer to uh, manifesting your higher potential, get closer to uh, realizing the, your divine nature, however you might want to say it. I think if you look at things that way, the I Ching, the Tarot, Archetypal Astrology, the Enneagram all kind of make sense uh, in different ways. Um, but it depends, you know, so the, the nice thing about the Enneagram is it fits completely into that way of seeing the world, of uh, seeing th the world as profoundly spiritual, as um, creation and uh, a human life, as uh, having a sense of purpose. Uh, but if you don't have a spiritual uh, viewpoint, it's the Enneagram still makes sense. You know, uh, some people have problems with some of these other ones. Um, and again, I think it often depends on what your mindset is, what your point of view is that you're starting from. I think the nice thing about the Enneagram is, it, as, as we've said, it can be talked about in very spiritual terms and it makes a lot of sense as a spiritual growth tool. But it also makes sense as a psychological tool in that it fits perfectly with a lot of established psychological theories about how personality develops, why it develops, how to work with uh, insights about your personality in order to grow. Um, but it's also just a practical tool. You know, you don't have to be psychologically inclined or spiritually inclined to make use of, like some of your what you're saying, the patterns that you can recognize in the Enneagram types as being present in your own behavior and using a knowledge of that as a way of becoming more conscious of patterns that tend to be more automatic and unconscious. And by using the Enneagram as, say, a map to highlight those patterns, becoming more aware and thus more able to make conscious choices about what you do and not just be driven by, say, an old coping strategy from childhood. So again, I think it depends on what view you take. I think if you're very spiritual, all of these things kind of make sense in a similar way, although they're obviously different approaches. Hmm. That's helpful to me. I, I, for me, I don't feel that if one is, quote, spiritual, which is such a loaded, bizarre <laughs> term, um, I don't think that necessarily leads you to the conclusion that um, everything that happens is as it was meant to happen and... In, in effect, I, I have a, quote, spiritual orientation mm -hmm. that doesn't lead me to assume mm -hmm. that everything, that, that I was born into the life I was supposed to lead and mm -hmm. that everything happens mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe that may be true, mm -hmm. but I don't know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm able to hold a, quote, spiritual view of the mm -hmm. world. And it really, to mm -hmm. me, the language of spiritual and non-spiritual is not 
ultimately a completely satisfying distinction. I mean, my, my own experience is that there is no way in which people that define themselves as spiritual are any way more evolved or um, compassionate or wise <laughs> oh, I agree with than that. people yes. who don't define themselves <laughs> as spiritual. I mean, yeah. just, yes. to me, those are two languages, um, right. but they are completely unpredictive of kindness, wisdom, skill, Certainly. or anything else. Certainly. So, um, so, so I am still... Uh, not knowing how things that Tarot, I Ching, astrology, how the deep truth that they constellate mm -hmm. when you experience a reading um, relates to the deep truth of personality types that have been recognized for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, those seem to me to be given in a different way from the things that are synchronistic. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm just going to have to continue to <laughs> In other words, yeah. the idea that, that a spiritual point of view solves that question is not true for me. You know? Right, right. And, yeah. and if, there are many different ways of having a spiritual point right, of view, exactly. obviously, yes. So, yeah, wonderful. Yes. Well, that's just a kind of a, an opening to the inquiry that we're going to have this morning and this afternoon. Um, and I invite you all, uh, all of us, to recognize that what will happen in the room today depends on the quality of attention and intention that all of us in this room bring to it. You know, uh, uh, Beatrice has brought together these extraordinary panels. We're in this extraordinary experience. Beatrice and I both have a sense that we have begun something here that we hope will go on beyond these three panel days and, uh, you know, mesh with your new school and, and many mm -hmm. things like that. Yes. But what will actually happen here for each of us and all of us really depends on us holding the field of this day together. And so if we can create the intention to hold that, to let it go deep for each of us and to be aware that we have a shared responsibility for the day is useful. With that, Beatrice. Um, so maybe I'll just talk a little bit more by way of introduction and then I'll call the panelists up. So um, the panel method, some of you may know, some of you may not know, uh, is a way of teaching the Enneagram that I really appreciate. Uh, that was in some ways pioneered by Helen Palmer and David Daniels, um, who started one of the first Enneagram schools in the United States here, sort of one, one of the uh, first ongoing programs of teaching the Enneagram, uh, based in Menlo Park. Uh, it was called, they called it the Enneagram Professional Training Program, and they've been doing that since about 1989. So all this time, they just are uh, celebrating their 30-year anniversary, I believe. And um, it was Helen's, Helen and David uh, are both sixes, 
And it was their idea that instead of them being the big experts that were telling everyone about the Enneagram, although of course they were experts who told people about the Enneagram, they wanted people to learn the Enneagram from the people themselves in terms of how they experience themselves being that type in the world every day. Uh, and on one hand, I think it was an act of humility on their part to kind of say, we want people who live the lives and are inside of the type to really describe that experience uh, and also a way for them to not be sort of sort of uh, in, put in the place of sort of having guru status around the, the Enneagram knowledge. Uh, and so it was also based on the idea that we learn best through a kind of oral tradition. Uh, and certainly the Enneagram knowledge, as Michael said, uh, we don't really know exactly where it came, comes from, but it's probably thousands of years old. Um, uh, probably came through Egypt, maybe uh, Babylon, uh, certainly the ancient Greeks. There are traces of knowing it uh, through all that time, although we don't know anything for sure, although we know that the, the Odyssey, the first book that was written down in the Western world, uh, which was probably uh, a story that had been told for maybe hundred, a couple hundred years by traveling bards or storytellers that was intended to convey some of the central ideas of the culture uh, and some of the central ideas about how people made sense of human life at that time, uh, that the Enneagram is there, you know, and so around 500 B.C., uh, I also think the Enneagram knowledge is related to what we might call the perennial philosophy, which is the sort of key ideas behind most of the world's religious traditions, uh, usually the mystical arms of many of the world's religious traditions. And this was the idea, uh, there's a great book by Aldous Huxley called The Perennial Philosophy, where he says, uh, all the world's uh, spiritual traditions in some way convey the idea of we are that. Um, we are God. We are uh, that which is divine. Um, we, it's not something that's far away from us and unreachable except after, after life on earth. It's actually here, and it, it, as, as, uh, as they say in Christian tradition, the kingdom is here, uh, that we can actually achieve it uh, through our own efforts at uh, self-observation, at knowing ourselves. It's the, behind the Greek idea, know thyself. Uh, inscribed on the temple at Delphi. So uh, these are, it's, it's a profound tradition that was perhaps for certain eras of history taught in secret schools uh, and also through a kind of oral tradition where things weren't really written down. Uh, thing that the teaching was passed on from master to student. And again, I think for a long, his, a lot of the Enneagram's history, um, it may not have been known as exactly the Enneagram, but it was passed down in secret. Uh, and it's only really in this last century that some people think that it was really meant to come out from uh, behind the sort of monasteries and the secret schools. Uh, and that's part of what's happening today. Um, but I think that Helen and David were very wise in wanting to uh, maintain a sense of oral tradition, a sense of th that the Enneagram comes most alive for us, both in just understanding the different types and in also using it as a growth tool for ourselves. When we hear it talked about, when we discuss it with each other, when we talk about our experience uh, in community, uh, and when we share our struggles and our challenges and also our strengths and gifts uh, and support each other in the group work that we do. Um, G.I. Gurdjieff was uh, one of the key 
people behind how, what we know about the Enneagram symbol. Uh, he also pointed to uh, esoteric Christianity and Sufism, es the esoteric form of Islam, as potential sources, although he didn't name his exact sources. Uh, but he talked about the Enneagram as a symbol of all and everything. Uh, he said that if you know how to read the Enneagram, it makes books and libraries entirely unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> and if, if two people came together in the desert and they wanted to talk about important things, they could trace the Enneagram in the sand and know everything there could have been good, could, could be to be known. Of course, that, that's someone who knows the secrets of the Enneagram and there aren't very many of those around today. Uh, but I think we're... We're slow, the way I see the Enneagram is it's this ancient symbol that's packed with meaning. It's a symbol, as Gurdjieff said, of uh, it's the philosopher's stone of the alchemists. It's a symbol of perpetual motion. It's a symbol of how natural systems uh, develop and it brings together the law of one, which is the idea that everything is connected, all is one. Uh, the, the law of three, which is the law of creation and uh, how at, that at three forces are needed to bring anything into being. And the law of seven, which is a uh, law of sequence of that certain steps are required for every process to, to be uh, completed. And that when you bring these three together, you get the Enneagram, which is this very important, potent, mystical symbol uh, that I think today we're only beginning to understand its import. Um, my, when my uh, teaching partner, Uranio Pius, and I teach together, we teach the Enneagram both in terms of the types and un how understanding your personality type allows you to um, become more aware of and less unconscious to your unconscious patterns, which helped you survive in childhood. Uh, the personality is a good thing. It helps us cope. Uh, but by adulthood becomes uh, a limit, set of limiting patterns that because we can be largely unconscious to them, in part because we've been doing them for so long and they're so uh, familiar to us, it's like the air we breathe, we don't really see it. Because of all that, the Enneagram highlights those patterns for us so that we can see the way we may unknowingly be limiting ourselves so that in seeing the ways we limit ourselves more consciously, we can grow beyond those limitations and become more of who we really are, become uh, uh, more of, uh, reach more of our potential or higher potential. Uh, and you can think of that in spiritual terms, uh, realizing the divine in you and the way all of us uh, have our expressions of God in the world, uh, but also in a practical view. Uh, you can get out of your own way. You can notice uh, how you create sometimes what you're trying to avoid uh, without meaning to. Uh, notice how some of your challenges can become circular, uh, but by seeing them in a new way and seeing them more clearly, uh, you can often ha create conscious space uh, through self-observation. Oh, there I go again. I'm doing that thing I do again. Oh, there I go again. And gradually begin to create some conscious space to make different choices uh, so that you can um, uh, express more of who you are in the world, uh, more of your higher side. Um, Helen Palmer used to like to say, I, I used to like the way she said, the Enneagram types are really the way a way that we, uh, instead of seeing 360 degrees of reality, uh, see reality through a narrow slice, um, one-ninth of reality through the lens based on our Enneagram style. 
and so uh, by noticing what the lens is that we have on the world, noticing how we filter information but based on perceptual biases connected to our type, uh, we can actually move beyond uh, the limiting factors that, that bias our perception in ways that we often don't see. You've been listening to a TNS episode. This episode is an introduction given at the start of day two, covering types two, three, and four. Thank you for listening to TNS, the new school at Commonweal. The new school at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Ciani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.